What's beneath the surface of true crime? Uncover brings you there with premium investigations that demand justice. Each season delves into a distinct case, from the inner workings of a cult to the disturbing legacy of residential schools. Promising new content year-round, Uncover will take you on a journey through explosive revelations with hosts dedicated to revealing the truth. Uncover, the best in true crime. Find it on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. There is a nagging thought like, man, I work at a bank. Why am I doing deliveries at 1am? You know, I was getting by, but then I needed to pick up a third job really to supplement my income because I just couldn't make my rent. I am working on my teaching uh, assistant job and second cup and the cat cafe and also trying to focus on my course and my research. It is quite um, overwhelming at times. I generally work like 8 to 4.30 at my desk job and then evenings I go into clinic. I'm so tired (laughs) all the time. In an economy that has been punishing to so many of us, these people aren't just working hard to get by. They're working, as you heard, almost nonstop at two, sometimes even three jobs. Students, grandparents, young people just starting their careers. They told their stories to CBC Newfoundland in a series called The Grind. Malone Mullen was one of the journalists who gathered those stories, and she joins us now from St. John's. Malone, good morning. Hello. Where did the idea for this come from? I think for a lot of us here in the newsroom, it was almost a a simultaneous discovery. We all knew somebody who was either working two jobs or was looking for extra work, and all of that was quite recent. There was just this feeling in the newsroom that this was the major issue, the cost of living that was weighing on everybody. Seeing rent and interest rates and food prices just tick upwards week after week. And we really wanted to put a human face to that. I mean, StatsCan confirms this, right? It's not just anecdotal. There are huge number, almost a million Canadians who are working multiple jobs. Yes, exactly. So our exec, Peter Gulledge, saw a report from StatsCan in August, and he saw that the number of people working multiple jobs, that hadn't really changed in the last little while, but the reasons that they were working multiple jobs had changed quite significantly. It's now one in three people who work more than one job do so just to pay for food and shelter. They'd no longer do so because of the passion project or because they're saving up for a wedding or whatnot. So this is, I mean, people refer to having a side hustle. In part, that can be a passion project. You like to make bread. So you're going to make bread and sell it for people. You like to do crafts and you're going to sell it on Etsy. That's not what we're talking about here. No, it's not. It's people picking up evening jobs after their nine to five so that they can pay their bills. So when you ask people in Newfoundland to share their stories about working multiple jobs, what sort of response? I have a sense, but what sort of response did you get? A major one. When you're talking to a reporter, sometimes it can be almost like therapy. You can vent about things. Uh, But... You know, we didn't think that quite so many people would want to bear everything to us and share their financial struggles and talk about this publicly, especially when they were already working nearly every waking moment and had so little time already. Mm. So I think that in itself really spoke to how dire these people were feeling. They really wanted everyone in the country to know that something is broken and that sometimes no matter how hard you work, you still can't get ahead. We're going to hear some of those stories in a moment, but were you surprised in terms of the range of of people that you heard back from, the demographics of people. Yeah, I know just in my own circle, friends of mine who have these historically well-paid middle-class jobs, good careers, 
who have been looking for extra work. And so we suspected it wouldn't just be, you know, the typical young students juggling part-time jobs, that we would encounter people picking up second jobs who've never had to do that before. But I think we were surprised at the ultimate diversity of the people who volunteered to be a part of this series and at the variations in their life circumstances that forced them to pick up the extra work. I mean, one of those people is, is your colleague who worked on the series with you, Sarah Antel. Precisely. She's uh, struggled with the fact that she has to work those six-day weeks and doesn't really have much time for anything else. And I know that, you know, for her, like many of us just starting out in our careers, it's difficult to to give up that extra work because you're thinking, you know, I need to save up for a down payment. I need to pay off student loans. There are all those economic pressures and it just keeps getting worse. So one of the people that you talk to in the series is Kelly Young. She's a grandmother uh, and a mother. And like a lot of folks uh, from Newfoundland Labrador. She moved away to work and then uh, she was in Alberta and then came home uh, after COVID, after her first grandchild was born. Have a listen to Kelly Young. Going to bed at night and all you think about is your income and how you're going to pay the bills. So I think that's when I realized I need to find a second position just to kind of top up my income and to pay those bills comfortably so I can go to sleep at night and just be able to relax. So I'm serving in a restaurant at a hotel here in town. And um, I work usually about three eight-hour shifts a week, typically, plus probably another two, three-and-a-half, four-hour shifts. So I'm out of the house a lot. You know, I married my best friend. So when you don't see each other as much as you would like, it is difficult, you know, to come home after a long day at work and he's already in bed. You're always kind of falling behind right, to the point where um, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul for paychecks and to get caught up in those bills. She said that she works, what, 30 hours a week on top of a full-time job. Yeah. When you heard her story, what struck you the most? I I saw Kelly and her husband as a very typical middle-class family in rural Newfoundland. She worked in office admin her whole life. He worked in the trades. They weren't wealthy, but they lived comfortably until last year. And I wondered when I was listening to her talk about how many others might be in Kelly's situation, where if she didn't get that extra job, she wouldn't be losing the roof over her head. She would still be able to feed herself, but she would be cutting back on expenses to the point where she said she wasn't even even able to treat herself to a cheeseburger on a Friday night. She talks about going to McDonald's and through the drive-thru, yes. um, and, and, she's, and there's another uh, fast food restaurant that she mentions as well, where she's just... She almost wants a refund because she can't believe how much she feels bad about how much she's spending. Exactly. And life for her has just become about paying the bills and fighting to keep that standard of living that she's been used to for decades. I mean, what did she tell you and what did other people tell you about the, the emotional toll and the mental toll that taking on this additional work to make ends meet takes on them? Yeah, we had no fewer than three people break down crying while trying to describe the toll it was taking on them. They're beyond exhausted. They miss their friends and families. They miss their hobbies. They miss not worrying about bills. And a lot of them aren't doing this temporarily just to get out of a rut. That's really important. They share this feeling that this is their life now. Rent has been going up for years and wages have stagnated and it's just not going to get better. In fact, it almost seems like it's just going to keep getting worse. And that hopelessness, being beaten down by overwork, that to me was alarming. I mean, that speaks to the title of this series, The Grind, right? It does. What does that phrase mean to you in the context of what we're talking about? It's just you're losing a part of yourself 
every time that you check into work, you because there's nothing else else outside of that. You spoke to experts um, for the series as well. What did they tell you about beyond the you know what we heard from Kelly about the impact that that the grind has on people's lives and on people's health? We spoke to economists and sociologists and labor experts, and they all said the same thing. We are not built to work around the clock. And when you're working to the point of exhaustion, especially when you have no choice to do so, that's when you're seeing the physical effects of lack of sleep and stress, the mental toll of not having a break, always being on the go, and the impact on families and kids who don't get to see their parents. It's just not good for anyone. We're not built to work around the clock. I mean, that sounds obvious in some ways, but that's the reality that a lot of people are living. Mm-hmm. We're going to speak with somebody who is living that reality. Rafid Khan shared his story of working multiple jobs with the grind. He's a student at Memorial University, came to Canada from Bangladesh in 2011, recently spent a year in Montreal, but returned back to the city that he considers home. St. John's is on the line with us now. Rafid, hello. Hi, how are you today? I'm okay. How are you? Uh, so far, so good doing as it's going every day. As it's going okay. every day. I mean, where you are right now, we, we've reached you at work, right? Yes, I'm at my 9 to 5 job at the moment. Can you describe what your 9 to 5 job is? So I work with a nonprofit immigration settlement organization in St. John's. Um, so my main clients are refugee clients. Um, my job would be basically the settlement process. Like if you move somewhere, how you start from zero to like you go up, like you get your housing, your health plan and groceries and everything. So basically we try our best to welcome the client as best as possible and get them settled to the community as fast as we can. That's a stressful job. It can be pretty stressful at times, but um I like the job. That's why I'm still here. But uh, yes, it can be challenging. You said that it's your nine to five job, which suggests that you have another job. What is the other job that you have? The other one, I work as a customer representative with a car rental company at St. John's Airport. When does that job start? So that one... Uh, in the past, I did more frequent hours, but then as I'm also in school as a full-time student with five courses, so this semester I did slow down a little bit. This semester I do between two to three shifts a week. So today I'm working from nine to five. I do have a class from five to six, so I will be in the class. And then my shift starts from six till midnight. How do you fit all of that in? I mean, I don't know what oh your what, 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 what your organizational capacity is, but that's a lot in don't one day. Ask. Like when, as I said it, I was like, "How am I going to make all those?" But then you just got to go and make it. Like if you're not at work, you're losing money. If you're not in school, you won't be done with the degree. So <laughs> even though your body doesn't want it, you're just like a machine that doesn't even get charged, but still, it's. Uh, it, it's required to move. Is that what it feels like, that you're a machine that just keeps going and oh going and going? Trust me, 24-7. I can't remember the name of the show right now on top of my head. I think it's The Wonder Girl, where there's this little girl who's a robotic girl. It was a show in the 90s. Uh, the girl would take commands. Mm-hmm. It's It feels like that. Like You just give the command, and the robot's going to go and get the things done. It's, it's just your body's just, oh, I'm there, I'll get it done. I can hear you coughing. Are you okay? Yes, I've I've had a flu since um, January 16th, and yesterday was the first day when I was more physically fit to come back to work. I was going to say, why didn't you take a sick day? (laughs) I did take sick days from my 9 to 5, 
as long as I had sick days, so I don't miss any payment. But for my other job, the airport job, I did take days off without pay. So uh, I had to force myself to make sure I'm feeling better and I'm fit and able to stand on my feet so I can serve clients. And um, I do feel like now I'm much better. That's why I'm very happy to be back to work. Financially, if you don't mind me asking, why do you mm-hmm. need to work both of those jobs? I mean, if you didn't work both those jobs, would you be able to make ends meet? No, because things have gone much higher. Prices are much higher, but salaries didn't go any high. Salaries are still the same. Like, yes, now someone can be like, oh, but minimum wage went up to $15. But with working with $15, is it really doable? Like, I have an apartment right now in St. John's, like where I live, it's 1900 bucks, And the same apartment pre-COVID, it was 1500 because each room was $500. Right now, each room, 500 on top, there's another 400 So $1,900 is the rent. On top of that, there is uh, all utilities, internet, mm. uh, electricity, and all things like that. So it ends up being like $2,500 a month. You said um, when it comes to the number of hours that you're working and the relentlessness of it, you told CBC that you can hear your body scream for rest. Oh, when was the last? Day. When was the last time that you had some time off? When I took it off last week because I was sick. Yeah. Before that, <laughs> but <clears throat> but I would not consider that as some time off because. I was trying my best to not be sick, sick. So I had to take care of myself. I had a lot of fever because of tonsillitis and everything else. Were those days off uh, enough to rest? No. Like today morning when I woke up, I didn't want to come to work, but then no work, no money. So you're, you're kind of like you go against what your body wants every single day. How long do you think you're going to be able to keep doing this? Hopefully it doesn't have to be for too long. I really hope because not only myself, but I see other friends and peers and associates around. It's Everyone's just going through this abnormal mental stress and no one wants to talk about it because mm. that just scares them more. But then every, every now and then, every left and right you turn, there's someone who has uh, more than one job. Before I let you go, I'll let you get back to work. But I mean, what do you think would help you and and help the other Canadians who are working multiple jobs just just to get by what would what would help you oh um again that's just my understanding but I feel like only if the government was able to uh keep make uh, private organizations or corporations uh accountable example a bag of potatoes 599 you walk tomorrow morning it's 999 what happened in less than 24 hours to it for it to change by four dollars no one is no one asked them the questions and then for us as being just someone who who just needs to go and buy it who are we gonna ask the question because the comp- corporation is gonna be like all right don't buy from us buy from someone else but why did you bring up the price so i really hope that the government or the municipalities can take more responsibilities in uh, holding accountable. So maybe that can help us someday, somewhere, sometime. Take care of yourself. And I hope that that cough goes away as well. Rafid, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you so much for having me in your show. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Rafid Khan is a student in St. John's who, as you heard, in addition to his studies, works two jobs. He was featured in the series The Grind, put together by our colleagues at CBC in St. John's, Newfoundland. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. 
Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of the Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at the Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Malone Mullen is one of the reporters who worked on that series. She's still with me. What do you make? I mean, he's very typical in many ways of the stories that you're telling. Oh, he certainly is. Uh, and just hearing him cough is heartbreaking. Yeah, he should be at home in he bed. He should be at home. Not, yeah. not at work and certainly not talking to someone like me. Um, after that aired, after that series aired, you asked the audience to share their own stories. And, and you posted some of those stories online. What was the response like to that? Again, heartbreaking. Uh, dozens of people wrote into us to tell us just how tired they were, how they'd had hope for living comfortably, and now all they do is work to keep up with the basics. And this response came from all over the country. It came from Vancouver Island to rural Ontario to Quebec to New Brunswick. It's really, it's a Canada-wide issue, and it's one that many people seem to be grappling with. Do you mind reading a couple of, of the letters that you got back? Yeah, I can. Uh, the first one, it's from a man in Ontario, and this is actually the one that stuck out to me the most. He said, I'm retired with a damaged body. Both myself and my wife are fighting cancer. She's 62, so I have to pay for all her drugs. We're having to sell and move to survive. I've depleted my lifetime RRSP savings already, and no way we can pay our taxes and mortgage on the $1,400 a month pensions. I never expected to retire and be housebound due to lack of income. A previously happy, positive man, I consider suicide every day. Oh my goodness. That's really, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And surprising to you or along the lines of, of, of what you've heard? Yeah, more so along the lines. Mm. I mean, you know, there's it's a spectrum. Picking up an evening job so that you can afford treats and a more comfortable life every now and then, that's one type of struggle. But it was clear from the people we spoke to that some situations are incredibly dire and that the social safety nets that we have just are not funded enough to cover people with those greater needs. And I think that's why we heard some of our experts championing solutions like a basic income supplement, something to ensure that people who can't work 70 hours a week can still survive. Can you just read one more? I can. Uh, a woman in New Brunswick wrote, I'm a single parent of two school-aged children. I was laid off from a high-paying job in the fall of 2021. We enjoyed a modest but comfortable life with a newer car and a small home with a modest mortgage prior to that. I'm now working two jobs and still only making 50% of what I was making prior to 2021. I've been forced to take money out of RRSPs and RESPs. I can't keep up with regular bills. I continue to fall behind financially with rising costs. I'm stressed. We heard heard Rafid there talk about how he wants some accountability from you know, the corporations. As he said, the price of groceries goes up and, and he doesn't understand why. There was that issue that you mentioned that experts are talking about, a guaranteed annual income supplement, a basic income, so that people don't have to work multiple jobs just to make ends meet. What else do people tell you about what they want to dig themselves out of this hole and what they need? Yeah, one thing that struck me was that nobody we talked to was looking for quote-unquote handouts. They were all hard workers by nature, but we did hear specific suggestions. So, you know, more more guaranteed hours for teaching assistants at universities or people working in precarious jobs, rent control, tax breaks, that kind of thing. But mostly everyone we talked to really just wanted to live in a place where they were paid sufficiently for 40 hours of work a week so that they could afford the basics, plus maybe a little bit more without having to head to job number two. That assumption that you work 
hard and that that should be enough, that you don't need to then go to another job just to keep the lights on and keep the food on the table. Exactly. This is We talk a lot about the cost of living, um, and this is a really important element of that discussion. The series was really, really powerful. I'm glad to talk to you about it and shed some more light on it. Malone, thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Malone Mullen is a reporter with CBC Newfoundland. She was in St. John's. Her series is called The Grind, and you can find it on our website. Go to cbc.ca slash the current. It's excellent. The stories there are really powerful. And maybe you are one of those, StatsCan said a million Canadians are working multiple jobs. Maybe you're one of those people who, as we say, works nine to five and then goes to the next job after that. Um, We would love to hear your story of your own grind. Um, You can email us, thecurrent at cbc.ca, or send us a voice memo to thecurrent at cbc.ca. Tell us about working those multiple jobs and the cost that that has on you. Again, the email address is thecurrent at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.